Hello and welcome everybody to a new episode of the Denalysis Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, I'm your host Dan and as always I'm joined by Natalie. Hey Nat, how you doing? Fine, thanks. Good. Uh, I was just going to say, like, this this kind of feels like, you know, uh, how Sky Sports News is on like 24-7 and they're just repeating <laughs> the same stories. Or like yeah. when you're putting out a daily football podcast and you have to make really bad narratives out of nothing happening because well, nothing is happening. It kind of feels like that at the moment, doesn't it? Like, Well, our podcast feels like that all the time. Uh, <laughs> trying Get Knockout, narr- the end. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, we, we have our, our narratives, don't we? And Knockout is very high on the agenda, but it does kind of feel like that because uh, international breaks, they're so, they're so damn lame. Uh, but we do have a nice little preview for uh, sort of October, November, the few months ahead and everything that's going on mainly looking, well, beginning with the good form and the good fixtures. Uh, Before we get right into that, though, I just wanted to let y'all know you can follow us on Twitter at The Denalysis if you want to, and you can email us too if you uh, want to do a more long-form sort of response to what we're saying. Uh, You could do that at hello at thedenalysis.com. Let's take it away, Natalie. So we got good form and good fixtures, and first on the list we have Liverpool. Tell me about Liverpool. <clears throat> well, uh, if there's ever a chance for Liverpool's attack to reach its the same form that it was at last season, it is here. It is now. Versus Huddersfield at whatever their stadium is called. Versus Cardiff at home. Versus Arsenal at the Emirates. What a lovely time that'll be. And then versus Fulham at home. They are the great. Ends. Yeah, they're great. So all four of these teams, um, in one way or another, kind of make up the worst defences in the league. So obviously you have Arsenal and Fulham, who both allow record numbers of shots on their goal, and Huddersfield and Cardiff, who are just quite bad and and generally are going to get beaten quite heavily by the, the bigger teams. Of course, with the exception of Spurs last week against Cardiff, who only managed one goal. Uh, but yeah, this is a really, really good run of fixtures. Obviously, the the talking point every week is Mo Salah. He is possibly injured, but it seems a little bit like it's a one of those. Oh, I'll play one of the international games and then I'll feign an injury and I'll come back <laughs> home. Because uh, there was also Van Dijk, who's who's had a similar thing where he's had this ongoing rib injury, and he's just come I home. I thought he from... scored a goal for Netherlands. I think he did, but he's he's come home because of the. Oh, so it's go, play a game, score a goal and then come home? Well, precisely. They've, they've both gotcha. done it because uh, Mo Salah scored from a corner kick, didn't he? Direct from I a corner kick. I haven't seen it, but I heard this happen. Yeah. Obviously, I haven't watched any of the internationals again because why would I do that? Honestly, I, I saw Arnautovic scored as well and I was like, yeah, my boy. But then I was like, it's so hard to compare internationals with clubs, uh, club football because it's hard enough with pre-season fixtures. But with the internationals, they're so, so different. And the teams are so different. So, yeah, obviously Salah is a is a good one. We all know he's good. You've got to keep an eye on what Ben Dinnery is saying because, current, I, I mean, my friend WhatsApped to me being like, Salah's out for two weeks. And I was like, what? What the hell are you saying? Obviously, the first thing I did upon getting home was check Ben Dinnery. And he says there's no timeline yet on his injury. Uh, he's, an awa- he's awaiting a scan. So by the time we get to the end of the week, he'll probably be fit to play and it'll all be good and we'll wonder why we ever cared. But um, 
he is obviously the standout option. I mean, the defence looks like a really good place to go as well, considering Huddersfield and Cardiff in the next two. So if you already have Robertson, which most people do, def- definitely get him in the starting lineup. But do you think there's anything anything besides Salah? I mean, I don't really know what to say about him other than we know he's good. We know he'll probably score if he plays. Yeah. Well, that's it really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, def- like defenders were where I would look if you don't have them already. Yeah. I think, because everyone's either got Salah or Mane. Yeah. I feel, at this stage. And if you don't, like, I don't know what you're doing, but I guess you're not looking to bring either of them in. I don't know. But um, Robertson has definitely been more... What's the word for when someone's bought you things? Is it more... Someone's brought you... More generous? (laughs) No, he hasn't given me anything. But, like, Robertson's been better for me than Salah has since I bought him in. Mm. So, is that you? What's going on out there? I have no idea. I think it might have been the TV. Oh, it sounded like a horn. (laughs) It did, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Um, Yeah, something about defenders. Probably get one. I like um, a risky option in Gomez or Trent Alexander-Arnold for an entire million cheaper than Robertson. Uh, don't know. I think it might be nice if you don't. If you're strapped for cash, I think it's nice. Yeah, I kind of feel like that's such a risky. That's like an unnecessarily risky move. But if you don't have the money for it, I think it's an absolutely fine thing. Yeah, to... maybe, maybe it's kind of. I just find that hard to. It depends how many like players you have that are starting in your team as well, and how good they are. Because if we have Trent Alexander Arnold on the bench, for example, that's going to cause a problem. Um, I do like Joe Gomez as a shout, but I I actually see it more as like um, a good opportunity to double up, maybe go for for Gomez or go for Trent as your second alongside Robertson. They're all but guaranteed clean sheets in these next two, and I I know anything can happen in football, but Huddersfield and Cardiff, considering Liverpool have one of the best defenses in the league, it seems like a, a fairly solid bet. Uh, the only other guy I wanted to mention briefly is Firmino because he's dropped all the way to 9.3 now, which seems a very good price for a very good player. When was the last time he did a goal? Well, exactly. That's where he could be quite a good, good, interesting option because I think a lot... Because he's just like stocking them up. He's yeah, like yeah. stockpiling the goals ready to go. It feels like Huddersfield and Cardiff are two fixtures that it would be very let's say, likely for Liverpool to go off and start, you know, breaking into their attacking form. That they've, They haven't been bad this season, but they also haven't looked anywhere near as free-flowing as they did towards the end of last season or the middle of last season. So I think we're kind of waiting for that moment when they do click into gear and everything, everything is working, uh, everything is coming, you know, everything's turning to gold for them. And this would be a good time. So I do you think Firmino is an interesting option? And he was actually going to be the transfer I made this week until, of course, Aubameyang decided to go and score two goals and assist from the bench last week. So I have a little bit of a, a tricky conundrum there. But yeah, the defence is, is a solid place to look. Um, Alisson also, who we haven't mentioned yet, 5.6. Good price. Um, maybe a good alternative to Edison if you already had him and you wanted to kind of get in ahead of these good fixtures. 
Moving on, we have Bournemouth, who yes, can't be stopped. Certainly have the form, and yeah, they they look really exciting in attack. Oh my god, and you hate Bournemouth? I absolutely. I don't hate them. I just I hate them in FPL because I think they're very unpredictable. Right. And I think I think them losing four nil to Burnley after Fraser got like an eighteen point FPL week is testament to how unpredictable <laughs> they can be. And then uh, winning four nil against. And then winning four nil the week after exactly. So that's that's Bournemouth for you. They play Southampton next, so I guess that means they're gonna win. Uh, sorry, lose four nil. That'd be wild. I'd hope for innings. Uh... What's that thing where they hat trick? Yeah, what's that thing where they do three goals? Yeah, um, Bournemouth have had six penalties so far this season, which is nice considering there have only been eight game weeks. Yeah, that's a pretty good record, isn't it? Here I'm looking at Wilson and King. I think Wilson at six point four, King. Oh no, both of them at six point four. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, Wilson currently with three goals and seven assists, but twenty percent ownership. King with only four goals and one assist, but only at 5% ownership. Hello. <laughs> Which one of those two strikes your fancy? Like, um, I feel like Wilson is safer. Um, but I like that if I've already got... For example, if I was getting rid of Ings rather than getting rid of Mitrovic... Yeah. I'd be like, I know Mitrovic is going to start every week. I know that he's likely to do goals when he, whenever the opportunity arises. Yeah. And I wouldn't, in that respect, then I wouldn't mind having King as like a cheaper, slightly riskier option. Yeah. Well, the good thing about King, like you say, they've had six penalties this season and he seems to be the, the penalty taker now. So if they can keep up that, that crazy record of, of getting penalties then he's he's surely a good option. Uh, I think Wilson has, has been doing a lot better in in open play. Uh, he's created a lot of chances, and I think he's leading leading the league in big chances missed at the moment. He's missed eight big chances out of ten. It's quite a lot. Which is not really... I mean, it's a good thing that he's getting so many. It's not a good thing that he's missing them all, because mm-hmm. if he was scoring them, he'd be right up there, like top of the league for uh, for goals goal scored um i do the thing i've always said about wilson is that he's very hot and cold like one week he'll be the best player and i guess it's quite characteristic of bournemouth as a whole like from one week to the next you don't really know which wilson you're gonna see uh but i do think i do think they look good for a sort of short-term option uh i'd be a little bit more worried as the season goes on do you think it's worth bringing them in now or just to sort of hold if you already have them? Uh, I do think it's worth bringing them in, yes. But like, for these four upcoming fixtures, Southampton at home, Fulham away, Man United at home and Newcastle away, I think they're more than likely to get at least two goals in each of those games. So, yeah, I think if you don't have... Well, I think four games is enough, like, is enough time where it's worth bringing someone in. yeah. And they're all good. They're all well priced as well. Yeah. So it's not um, like you're gonna have to make loads of moves to get someone in. I yeah, wouldn't definitely. make. That's what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't make loads of. I wouldn't force myself into a points hit to be able yeah. to get a Bournemouth player in. But if I had the money somewhere where I could easily make a switch, then yeah, definitely. I think it's worth bringing them in. 
Yeah, so looking at the midfield, we also have Brooks and Fraser as options. I don't like Brooks, I've decided. Um, not just because he looks like a 12-year-old. Um, <laughs> so he's only priced at £5 million, but And he has had two goals in the last two game weeks. Hmm. But he's only played the full 90 minutes once this season. Yeah. And I'm feeling a strong no. Yeah, he could be a very interesting one to just keep your eye on for now, but not. it's not time to go for break with him. A 5.0E could become a good option. Fraser, obviously, is a, he's all the way up to 6 million now. Mm. He is injured, or, or he failed a fitness test. Oh, yeah, uh, like he Scotland. was injured that time there was last international break, yeah. and it fucked everyone over. Yeah, and So I... don't pay no mind. Get him in, everything's chill. Exactly. I, I, I think if you have Fraser and you've had him this whole time or you've had him for the last few weeks or whatever, like, don't, there's no need to knee-jack him out. It's an international injury, so we all know what that means. It's probably not even a real injury. And last time, a lot of people were scared to put him in the starting eleven because they feared that he might come on for a minute, maybe, or 10 minutes at the end, and he had an absolute banger of a week. So I think if you've got Fraser... You have to play him, really. Like, yeah, and, for sure. Especially against uh, Southampton at home as well. It, it just seems a no-brainer. Um, I'd maybe be a little bit less inclined to bring him in yeah, right now. Yeah, I would too. I think the ones to look at if you're bringing someone in is definitely that those uh, front two of Wilson and King because they're the ones getting all of the chances. Wilson in particular seems to be very frequently involved in their, atta- uh, their positive attacking moments. So he's probably the standout option. But if you kind of favour the, the penalty... If you fancy Bournemouth to be this season's Crystal Palace in terms of getting a penalty every other game, then King is the one. But there's mm. there's not much to choose between them. I think you just have to make a, make a punt on one or the other if you like the look of those guys. And now on to Chelsea, who are looking very, very good this season. Man United is their next fixture. It's a 12.30 kickoff, unfortunately, which kind of always clouds clouds your judgment. But Man United is starting to look like a an easy fixture for any team above mid-table at this point because they're just not really performing. I'd say. <laughs> Hazard has been the most... Uh, he, he's been the player to rise the most in price this season. I think 0.8 since the start of the season. I, I feel you've got here the question, is that price too much? That's a hard question to answer coming from a place of someone who bought him at his his starting price. Yeah. I kind of feel like anyone that wants Hazard now surely has him. But then I do remember being on the Oh, when you didn't have Salah for like literally all season last year. Yeah, so I ended up buying Salah when his price was really, really high. But his price wasn't this high. I think it got to something like 10.3, which is when I bought him. But obviously he started at 9.0, so that was a lot lower. Uh, and I, I did have Salah at times, but I never kept him for, for too long a, a period. So I do think if ha- if you're being like me last season and you're looking at Hazard's 11.3, oh, it's too much now. I think you're only hurting yourself if you're not bringing him in now because you're going to have problems. Like his form is exceptional. He's a top scorer in the league. He, he seems very motivated, he's working very hard, and he's at the heart of everything good that Chelsea do. He's nailed on, so you can't, you can't put Pedro or Willian in and expect them to keep up. 
I know their prices are lower, but you don't know which one of them is going to start week to week. Hazard's goal involvement is just so high, and he looks so good this season. I think if you don't have him, you have to you have to get him. If you do have him, obviously you, you hold on to him. It's that simple. Uh, unless you're going for like some crazy differential tactic, which would be fair enough, but I, I think you're only hurting yourself if you don't have him. And if we look at their next four, Man United at home, Burnley away, Crystal Palace at home, and Everton at home. Three home fixtures. Surely there's no argument for not having him at this point. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that yeah. sums it up, doesn't it? Uh, so you've got David Luiz, 5.5 down here as well. Yeah. Well, a little disclaimer, though, because I think last season when I first um, recommended David Luiz, he went and like got a red card the next game. Yeah. So, so you have the red card curse. Yeah, there is an air of caution here. But David Luiz, 5.5, um, has played 90 minutes every game week, four clean sheets. Oh, that's how many Chelsea have had. And he got a yellow card in the first game week, which is the only reason he has one less point than Rudiger and Azpilicueta. And they are priced, I think Rudiger's 5.9 and Azpilicueta's like 6.3 or something. Yeah. So to me, if you're looking for a... Ch- like, and Alonso now is so expensive. He's what, like 7 million now? Yeah, he just went up last night, I think. Um, I, c- <laughs> I think if you're paying that, you're stupid. Um... So David Luiz at 1.5 million less seems... Like, obviously, he's not going to get... he He's not got the potential as much potential to get attacking returns as um, Alonso does. But I think for 5.5, that's absolutely fine. Um, in a team such as Chelsea, with good fixtures on the horizon, I think it's a no-brainer. If yeah, you wanted was- a Chelsea defender. Yeah, and also, you say that he doesn't have um, the same opportunity for attacking returns as Alonso. But for the 1.5 million difference, Alonso hasn't had any attacking re- returns in the last four weeks. And he's only he's only kept clean sheets in two of those. So you kind of had this situation where I think if they keep a clean sheet, if Alonso hasn't been involved in any attacking returns, is he even going to get bonus points? Because it seems like David Luiz got a bonus point in the the game against Liverpool where it was 1-1. So he's actually outscored Alonso by one point in the last four weeks. And yeah, I think if you want an alternative to Alonso, if you want someone from that Chelsea team, David Luiz is actually a really, really good shout if you, you're rating their defence. Uh, and considering the fixtures they've got coming, I think you could see at least two out of four clean sheets there. If you look at the way Man United are playing, if you look at the way Burnley attack, and I, I think that's going to be a game where Chelsea just dominate the possession. Crystal Palace can't score goals at all, like with or without Zaha, it seems. So I actually think he's the better option from the Chelsea defence because I don't think uh, I don't think Alonso is showing good value at the moment and there's another player in Matt Doherty at Wolves who's putting up better attacking returns than Alonso for a much much cheaper price now I'm not sure it'll stay that way the whole season but I don't know I haven't seen enough from Alonso to justify his price tag by watching him it actually in the games I don't think he's worth it at all at the moment maybe some people would disagree with that but that's that's kind of how I feel 
Yeah, anyone else from, from Chelsea that you're liking the look of? Not really. I thought about it and I thought about Giroud and then I was yeah. like, nah, too expensive for what he actually returns. I don't know if he yeah. needs to go back to being a bench boy and just coming on, you know, with 10 minutes to go to see what happens. Yeah. Um, he's not he's not good value for his price, is no, he? No, not because at all. Because he comes off too early and it seems that him and Morata have quite a a good rotation going on between them where he'll play 60 minutes and Morata will come on. But Giroud doesn't really look clinical in front of goal or to be the focal point of their attacks. Really, it's all about Hazard. So if you're looking for an attacker, it's Hazard. If you're looking for a defender, for me, yeah, I'd agree with you. It's David Luiz because he offers the best value and allows you 1.5 million extra than Alonso if you were looking to get you know Alonso in from this week, for example. Moving on to Brighton... I am thinking about the knockout move this week. I could get old matey boy uh, Hudson Adoy out of my team and get knockout in. <laughs> I can't believe you still have I it. I could do it. How much I is could in do your it. bank? Um, I think I got like 1.8 million, 1.9 million. Oh, wait, no. I couldn't do that move this week. I've, I've been so out of FPL mindset that I didn't realise I'd actually spent that money on a, uh, on Arnautovic. Oh. So I actually have 0.7. I couldn't do it this week. I'd need to do two weeks worth of transfers and that ain't happening. No. So no knockout this week. Uh, they, they're an interesting one because they're a good team. They've been playing quite well, but haven't really been putting up the numbers that you'd want. There was a thing this week that put all of the... Um... I don't know whether it was just the fixture difficulty ratings from the FPL site. I don't. I didn't yeah. look at where they were from, but ranked all of the teams' fixture difficulties from the past eight weeks. Um, and Brighton were literally the bottom team. Yeah. Like last. Like not even yeah. like last, but like loads of teams were last. They were last. <laughs> and with that in. Bearing that in mind, I think they're doing quite well. They haven't won away... From, so, the thing to bear in mind is three of the next four fixtures are away from home. Yeah. And they haven't won away from home yet. But the three losses away from home have been versus Watford in that first week where Brighton were awful. Yeah. And Watford actually looked really good. Yeah. And then Liverpool and Man City. And I don't... All games that you probably expect them to struggle in. Yeah. And they didn't really even struggle that hard with only yeah. losing 1-0 to Liverpool and, what, 2-0 to Man City? Yeah. Like, so I'm feeling positive about Brighton. Yeah. It, maybe now could be the time for their their defensive players. I kind of like... I mean, I've still got Matt Ryan, and I'm thinking about maybe, maybe putting him in my team for this week. It's between him or Fabianski. And yeah, like Newcastle away from home. It's just that away from home tag that I'm not liking. Yeah. But uh, Duncan Duffy, always great guys. Uh, You've got Bong here as well, interestingly. Yeah, I mean, same price as Duffy and less percentage owned than the other two. Um, If you wanted someone really random, who's going to get your clean sheet? Who's going to play every game? Yeah, you'd have to go for one of those centre-backs, though, wouldn't you? Just purely because if you think about Brighton, like a lot of their chance creation does come from set pieces. Yeah. 
And that's why the likes of Knockart and Dunk or Duffy are, are good options. Yeah, and Dunk is still so close to falling to 4.3. Oh, really? Like, you don't really... I think because we've been so caught up in, like, 4 million priced starters that yeah. you... And then they're rising. And then you forget how little money 4.4 actually is. Dunk yeah. is only 4.4. Yeah, I mean, that was a big reason I got Issa Diop in, because, partly because their fixtures look better and they West Ham look better defensively. But a big reason was he dropped to 4.3. And I was like, I don't know if there's going to be a player like of that level, like that cheap with this sort of run of fixtures c- coming up. So I was like, hell yeah, I'll, I'll get in on this. And I think if you can get Dunk at 4.3, that'd be an amazing, amazing deal, because... Like you say, they they are away from home, but these are fixtures that they could do well in. Yeah. Um, it's it's just a shame that the one home game is against against Wolves, yeah. who are looking really really good. Yeah, I still think there's a there's a case for Brighton to win that. Um, but it's just it's obviously not going to be as easy as one would expect playing a promoted team to be. Yeah, and of course, Glenn Murray actually rose in price for the first time this season the other day. Lad, six point six. Quite. It's quite excited to see that people are picking him up. Actually, yeah, I think it's a like I think it's a good price for someone who's already scored five goals this season on the most difficult run of fixtures of any team in the league. Yeah, absolutely. So he's he's kind of a really interesting option. I I like him as a differential. I, I think all of these players, like Knockout included, they're all kind of good differentials at this point because I think this is. This is the fixture turn that you're looking for. And remember like game week three when we, we did the podcast and I was talking about how I'd wildcarded and I'd, I'd seen Hazard and I was like, he looks really, really good. And this is where, you know, their fixtures get really good. And I wanted to jump in right away. I think this is kind of the point we're at with Brighton where although we haven't seen amazing performances from them, we have seen sort of enough that they're a good team and they're coming into this run of fixtures if you get Murray now and he does well in the next two, like you're, you're set up because you've got the points before everyone else has jumped on him. And you've kind of, um, you've got really good, a really good differential and a really good player for the, the coming sort of six, seven weeks. So I kind of, I really like the idea of getting on these players early. I think you just have to do it. <laughs> as we always say, fancy responsibly. You've got to do it in moderation with the rest of your team. Like, you can't have six of these punts, but like if you're looking for someone to make the difference for you, I feel like Murray or, or, or Knockout could be a really, really good option at this point, considering their ownership being so low. Great guys, all in all. I'd agree. So this section is teams who don't have the best fixtures, but definitely still have players worth considering, thinking about, etc, etc, etc. I feel you. I feel you. So first on the list is my my boys. It's Arsenal. Uh, they they get the Monday night game next. So they've got Leicester at home, and it's Crystal Palace away, Liverpool at home, and Wolves at home. And what I'd say about Arsenal at the moment is they are the great... I'm kind of thinking about how Burnley last year were confounding all of the stats by, you know, allowing so many shots on goal, but conceding so few. I think Arsenal are kind of in that camp at the moment in terms of they're not taking a lot of shots, but their finishing has been really, really, really good because they've been scoring, I think, over the past 
this is the past four games or something, they've scored nine goals above their actual XG, which implies that they're doing very, very well in terms of their finishing. It does imply they might drop soon and they won't score so many goals, but it could actually mean the opposite, that they're actually just really, really good finishers. And if you look at the two names on this list, Lacazette and Aubameyang, they are two of the best strikers in the league at the moment, it would seem. What do you what do you have to say about these guys? Um, not much really. I was quite surprised that Lacazette is actually higher percentage owned than Aubameyang. That is, I I don't know actually. I I guess he's been in good form recently, and he's nailed down that starting berth, which has probably made him more. And you look at his price as well. Him being cheaper has probably made him a more popular option. Yeah, I just didn't realise people had either of them, really. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think if you've got nothing else going on up there, one of them is worth having. Do you, Is there any temptation from, from your side to get one of them, or are you happy with No, with because got I've now? got this Man City saga still, and I can't go without a City attacker. That's right, so you're stuck with Aguero because you need a City attacker and you you can't commit to the midfield. Yes. Yeah. It's a sad state of affairs. I guess I guess that's a tough thing as well. Like in terms of your team structure, it's quite hard to go from Aguero to Bamiang and also get Sterling, or Aguero to Lacazette and also get Sterling because the price difference in uh, someone like Sterling compared to a lot of other midfielders that you'd have in your team is quite significant. Him being obviously 11 or uh, he might even be 11.1 now. I think he had a price rise recently. Um, it's quite hard to do that. And yeah, I'm... I'd have to do three moves. Yeah. Because all of... I have Salah and Hazard and then my next three lads are all the same price. Yeah. At like five, six-ish. I really think at this stage of the season, it's it's very hard to justify that kind of move because it's something I've been guilty of in years gone by where you make three transfers, you take like a minus four or a minus eight, and then all of the players you got rid of will perform in that next week and you'll have like the week that Sterling does nothing and gets injured and Aguero will go off or something. And it's just kind of... It's kind of hard to justify that sort of stuff so early in the season. Yeah. Um, personally, I'm I'm in a situation where I've had Aubameyang since the start. Obviously benefited a lot from his performance last week. He came off the bench, it should be noted, to, to get his two goals and his one assist. It'd be quite hard to justify saying to bring him in now unless you really wanted to go for... You really wanted to punt on that form in a similar way that we were talking about punting on Glenn Murray um, or, or Knockart, punting on them coming into form. I don't know whether he will start in the, the next week or he'll come off the bench again because it seemed like that was a very effective move. Um, but I'm going to hold on to him and I'm considering captaining him, if not Salah, purely because it's nice to, to go for renegade captains. I think that's kind of where I'm at in this season. I did it with Salah last week. I knew it wasn't a popular choice i knew i probably should have gone for hazard but i liked it it was quite fun and i think that's what i'm going to do with this one because i get the monday night game then it gets a bit exciting it is a home game for arsenal and leicester against arsenal always 
always uh, features quite a lot of goals, or at least it seems that way. So, yeah, I'm looking looking forward to this game. Lacazette is kind of in that Firmino price range. I think he's a, a very good option considering he plays in 90 minutes. Um, but these are the only two in the team that I'd be looking at right now. I think defensively, we don't really look good enough. Like, we've been keeping clean sheets, but again, it's been confounding the stats. Like, we've given up a lot of big chances. And, yeah, the prices aren't right. When you've got a team like Wolves who are performing so above expectations, but they're also defensively very uh, solid statistically, there's probably no reason to look at someone from from Arsenal right now. But they do, in, a, in an attacking sense, I think they are a great sort of differential at this point. And I, I'd actually, if I was picking between Aguero and Aubameyang or Lacazette, I'd definitely go for the Arsenal choices right now. Yeah, I kind of like them that little bit more. I think their finishing is is very good. I like them a lot. Okay, Everton. How do you feel about these guys? I'm I'm not a big fan personally. I don't know. Like I can't really be bothered to think about it. It is quite hard to motivate yourself to think about a team like this, isn't it? <laughs> um, like I don't know what to do. I guess we're supposed to sit here and advocate for Sigurdsson and Richarlison. Like that's what that's what the the deal is, right? That yeah. That's what people want well, us to do. Richarlison fits into the template quite neatly because of his price at what six point seven, six point eight. How much is Sigurdsson? He's like seven point four, I think. So he's a little bit more tricky because he doesn't fit into that. But right. As, to be honest, like yeah. So Richarlison is six point eight. Sigurdsson six uh, seven point four. Sorry. Uh, Bernard is 5.9, which is a brilliant price, actually. I can't even believe Bernard is a midfielder. Why? Why uh, can't you believe that? I don't know. I thought he was <laughs> a defender. And then I thought he would cost less. Uh, well, 5.9 for an attacking midfielder in, in the Everton side could actually be really good value. He's only like, got two assists. I don't think we should be getting... Well, Ahead of ourselves. He only, he only got his first start last week, though. Where's he and, been? Well, he he was a new signing. I think he probably wasn't fit for the, the beginning of the season. But also, Tosun was starting as, as the central striker. And of late, uh, I say of late, I mean literally just the last game, it was the first time that Silva opted for Richarlison playing centrally. And he had... I think Sigurdsson was playing the, the number 10 role behind the striker. And he had Bernard and Walcott both playing out wide. And I think that's probably going to be their best option going going forwards. Because Tosun just seems completely out of form and doesn't seem to fit the bill. This is kind of the perfect way of getting in the likes of Bernard and Walcott, who have really, really good pace. And also Richarlison playing that that central role, but also getting Sigurdsson into the the position he plays the best. Uh, I think if we look at Sigurdsson last year and in previous seasons when he's gone to the likes of Spurs and and other sort of big clubs, is he's always struggled because he's been put out wide, which is where he doesn't really fit. Like he doesn't play well there because he's not fast. He's not like a tricky winger. But when you allow him to play in the role that he's made for. I think it just makes perfect sense to uh, to keep him there, you know, where he's going to score more goals. And his goal against Leicester was incredible. So 
I probably wouldn't advocate for Sigurdsson purely because that price is just too much and we haven't seen enough yet. And these fixtures coming up, Crystal Palace at home, Manu away, Brighton at home and Chelsea away. They're not amazing, but Crystal Palace, Man United and maybe Brighton at a stretch, like it is at home. They aren't the worst fixtures. And if there's one thing we know about Marco Silva, it's that he loves to attack. So... Richarlison, yeah, obvious shout. Like, if you if you don't have him already, he's a fairly safe bet. Uh, I think him and Madison are those two, you know, that you can fit in quite easily without breaking the bank. But I actually like the look of Bernard as a nice little differential who frees up a lot more cash at 5.9. Am I going to do it? Hell no, because I just... Personally, I don't think Everton are that good. But I think if there's one place you're going to look, it's going to be that attack. And they will score goals. Like, I don't doubt it at all. I just don't... I don't think there's a way I can fit them in with my team structure. But if you want to make up some some cash from, like, one of your... One of your underperforming sort of seven, seven million players, Bernard's could be a good option. I don't know all I have to say about those guys. Do you have any anything to add? No. No. <laughs> right. Ricardo Pereira has been giving me stress recently. Because he was the one I got rid of in order to get in... I think it was... Was it Diop? No, oh, no it was Doherty. It was Doherty. It was Doherty. Yeah. So it's so paid off, really. It, it paid off. It worked well. But I'm annoyed that he scored a goal and then kept a clean sheet in the two games when I got rid of him. Pereira, I mean, I'm just going to... I don't think we should spend time on him because I don't think he's a good option. Like, I can understand why... You would be blinkered by him, much like I was at the start of the season when he he scored a goal and kept a clean sheet, got like 12 points or something, uh, or it might have even been 15. And I was like, oh, I need to get this guy quickly because he's playing like this really attacking role, like his stats from last season were good. But then I realised, like, why am I getting a defensive player from Leicester? Like, you have to think, when you're looking at Leicester, even if you're getting Pereira, who's playing on the wing, you have to think, like, the the bread and butter, so to speak, the way you're going to get the points is by them keeping clean sheets. And anything over and above that is is a bonus. Problem with Leicester is they do not keep clean sheets and their fixtures coming up, Arsenal, West Ham in the next two. I can't see them keeping clean sheets in either of those. I can see them conceding a lot. And I don't think Pereira's that good in attack. Although his goal, um, I can't remember who it was against, but two weeks ago... When he did score, it was a really good goal. But I just don't see him replicating that frequently. And I think you should steer clear for, for the now. To be fair to Leicester's defence, um, yeah. Morgan is banned for the next two weeks. Again. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, I, that's, that has to be the nail in the coffin for Morgan, surely. Because that's the second time he's been sent off for two yellow cards for constantly committing clumsy fouls this season. And I think Leicester arguably will will probably be a lot better in defence when he is out of the team. But against Arsenal and West Ham in their next two, this isn't the time I'd take the plunge. I'd wait. I'd see how they perform. Who is this uh, man? Soyuncu? Yeah, so he, he was a guy that, that Arsenal were quite heavily linked with in the summer. Um... And Leicester ended up getting him. I I don't know how good he is. I think he's quite highly rated as a, a sort of youngster who is playing in 
playing in Turkey, I think. But we haven't seen anything from him. I mean, I assume it's going to be Johnny Evans that comes in and Soyuncu will be the backup to to the starting two. Unless uh, Puel actually brings Morgan back into the fray, in which case you just have to you have to wonder, like, is this a political thing with, with Morgan where it's like he was the captain from the title-winning season, therefore he must play. I, I Soyuncu, he, he could be really good, but it's got to be Johnny Evans, I think, who comes in. Um, Ian Acho is the other guy, the other name you have down on yeah, here. Yeah, I'm very, very interested in Ian Acho. At 5.9 Only one goal, but four assists this uh, this season. And now yeah. he's started the last three games as well, which seems positive. Um, yeah, definitely. Alongside Vardy. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I just think it might be nice. just think it might be nice for him. I think we had this conversation earlier in the season, didn't we? Where we said if, if Ian Acho actually gets the because it seemed like the best way for this team to play is to have Ianacho and Vardy in the same team. Yeah. And it seemed like there were a few weeks where he persevered sort of without putting Ianacho in. And now he's reverted to getting Ianacho in and putting Madison more out wide. And I think it's bearing fruit for them because they're getting all their best players into the team. And yeah, I, I think Ianacho he could definitely be a very nice um very nice sort of facilitator at that lower lower price for a forward like i don't know how much i have in the bank but if i could switch ings to ianacho i might yeah. even think about it oh yeah so actually if you're comparing between ings and ianacho i'd definitely go for ianacho purely because leicester are a more attacking team like yeah the problem but i do with already Sa- have madison though to be fair yeah, yeah, and if that's the case, if you already have Madison, it's a lot harder to to make this case because I don't think, unless maybe you're going for Vardy and Madison, I don't think a double up on Leicester is is a wise move. Um, I think they're a good team. I just don't think they're going to offer the kind of consistency that you want from a double up. Yeah, especially with their next two being tricky fixtures. But maybe if you look at the the Cardiff game in in three weeks' time, that could be a good time to look at getting a double up if they're in in some good form and they've been scoring the scoring a lot of goals against the likes of Arsenal and West Ham. Uh, Man City obviously has a, a big a big moment with uh, Benjamin Mendy coming back into the side almost as if nothing's happened and, and kept a clean sheet against Liverpool. Is it too late to bring him back now? <laughs> I No, I don't think so. Go on. Well, like if you want him, get him. Like, I don't really have much to say on Man City at all, because I feel like everyone said everything there is to say. Yeah. Um, The the point I want to make, though, about Mendy is, like, if you're like me, the reason you got rid of Mendy was because he wasn't playing and you wanted to free up some money. And it's very hard to get him back now you freed up that money and used it for other players. So the question for me is... Do you need to... Because we were very much banging the drum that Mendy is an essential defender. Like, him and, and, and Robertson and maybe Alonso were the three. Who, I, I mean, I think we probably differ from the, the norm in this sense, where we were more on the, the Mendy and, and Robertson side of things and weren't really so keen on Alonso. But 
I, I'm kind of worried now because City do have some really good fixtures coming up. I kind of count Spurs and Man U as really good fixtures for City. And I just don't know. Like, I want to have him, but because I went through this kind of phase of, oh, I'm going to hold on to him. Oh, I don't know what's happening. I'm getting rid. I think the players I've got in, I want to keep over having Mendy. But you do you do have Laporte as well. So I feel I do, like yeah, for that's you right. it's less of a problem because you, yeah. do, you are still covering that area. Covering that defence, yeah. yeah. Whereas anyone no, right. without... I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know Yeah. what Man City's deal is. Because this is that was only Mendy's second clean sheet yeah. of, like, what, the five games he played? Yeah. Meh. And maybe the goalposts have moved, so... Sane didn't play, did he? He didn't no, start the game. didn't start. He came on. So this could be the thing as well. Like, I'm kind of speculating here, but maybe there is a rotation risk around Mendy in that Pep prefers to play only one of the two of them. Yeah. And I think he could rotate based on who the opposition is and which formation he wants to play. So actually, I think there is, there is reasonable doubt around whether Mendy would be essential at this point. Uh... And Laporte actually is the only player that started every game this season. So I guess he is actually the best option in that defence going by the the knowledge that we have so far. So yeah, I actually think that's probably the best way to go Um, in terms of elsewhere for Man City. You know what our thoughts are about them. They're a great team. They're going to score a lot of goals. Um, For me, it's still David Silva as the, the midfield pick. Pep said that he couldn't play more than three games per week. And he's been playing three games a week recently. So uh, if you consider that he's had the international break to rest now, I think he'll probably start against Burnley. Uh, But we're also likely to see Kevin De Bruyne come back soon. So I just want to shout out him briefly. I think he's dropped to 9.6 or something now. De Bruyne is down to 9.7. So he may drop down to 9.6 if people uh, keep getting rid of him. He kind of... Fills that role of being a nice... Uh, he's cheaper than Sterling. He'll play every game. He'll play 90 minutes. And he's got to get points. He's got to steadily tick over and get you points. So if you have if you have that sort of hole in your team that you can fill, uh, you have that sort of budget available, De Bruyne could be an interesting one to look at when he does come back. Who um, would you... have that space to fill, though? Like, where are you getting that space from? Well, I think you have to plan ahead, don't you? That's... That's the way that you fit someone like him in. Like I don't like KDB for fantasy at all. Anyway, like I yeah. would never, I would never. Yeah. Um, come back to me in game week thirty four when I'm getting him in, but uh, <laughs> I wouldn't. I mean, you just have to think about your own team. Like, what are you doing for the next few weeks? Um, I guess actually that's that's easier. Like, if you wanted to get a Lacazette in. Yeah. Then, like, changing someone in your midfield isn't as hard as if you're trying to fit Sterling in or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, think think of it this way, then. If you wanted to to do a two-move, sort of get Aguero out, get um, someone like Lacazette in, and then get Kevin De Bruyne in because you know he's going to play 90 minutes every game, then that's quite a sensible swap. And I don't think you're... Considering how Aguero's coming off quite often, he hasn't been... Ever since the Huddersfield game, he hasn't been anywhere near essential in terms of the way he's been finishing his chances. I think there is a strong argument for making a move like that. 
I think usually when, when Kevin De Bruyne does play and he plays well and he scores a goal, he's got to be the guy picking up all the bonus points because he performs so well in terms of chance creation and pass completion. Everything goes through him. So I think there's a strong argument for him, actually. I probably won't be looking at myself just yet because I, I'm keeping faith with David Silver and I don't want to do too don't want to do too many of these sort of sideways moves yeah. um, until I have more information, but I, th- I think he could be a really good option going forwards. Uh, and on to the two Ws. So we've got West Ham, where Arnautovic scored for Austria the other day, and he's just a very good player, isn't he? Yeah. Spurs up next at home. Um, I think these Spurs against uh, West Ham games are always good. Sometimes you get a little shock. I think uh, Arnautovic is a kind of player who can perform in them. And Harry Kane also is obviously the uh, the other guy who has a really good record in the the West Ham uh, fixture. Uh, what are your feels on on West Ham in general? Um, yeah, not fussed. I don't know if there's anyone who really like jumps out apart from Arnautovic. I think Arnautovic yeah. is worth. I don't know if I'd bring him in now for these fixtures, like specifically, but um. If you have him, I think he's definitely worth starting in all of the next four fixtures because yeah, why not? Yeah, I I think I've already brought him in. Obviously, I brought him in for that Brighton game. Now is a good time. Spurs don't look good defensively. It's a game at home, and they're coming back off a loss. They're gonna want to make that right. Um, I can definitely see West Ham getting some goals in this fixture, even if they don't win. Uh, so I think now's a good time for sure. We've spoken about this before, kind of in detail. Like, obviously, the midfielders are options to uh, Felipe Anderson and Yarmolenko, but Arnautovic is he has to be the main guy. Uh, and Wolves, who, yeah, their fixtures aren't totally amazing, but they've been performing really well against good teams. So I kind of, I kind of feel like Watford, uh, Watford next at home, Brighton away, Spurs at home, and Arsenal away. I'd just be wary. For the Spurs and the Arsenal game. Yeah. If you've got now Roy Patricio and Roy. <laughs> Roy. Roy God. Patricio. Um, if you've got Patricio and like Doherty and Bennett, like I'd just be nervous about playing like more than one of those yeah, defensive totally. players in the Spurs and Arsenal game. And I think yeah. it's just something to bear in mind looking forward, like in preparation for those game weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's all about uh, if you're tripling up or doubling up, yeah. I kind of, I'd be quite comfortable playing someone like Doherty in those games purely because Spurs and Arsenal, they're probably going to concede against Wolves. Um, I think Jimenez also is a, a good good choice regardless because his his performances have been really good and he's in that like Danny Ings price range which uh, and the Iheanacho price range. I think for a nailed on number nine, it's a... A great option um but yeah i totally take your point there i, I think you kind of have to be careful about going too heavily in on wolves mm-hmm. okay up next we have the good fixtures and the poor form and one of these the the first guys we we're talking about a watford who i'm quite disappointed with because obviously i've had Pereira in for the last few weeks and he's he's not really putting the performances that i would expect i think watford as a whole you could argue that they were good against um, who is it they played? They just got beaten four nil by was Bournemouth. It Bournemouth. Yeah, they actually played quite well until Matey Boy got 
idiotically sent off. So Cabasele, a uh, recap for anyone who can't remember, he made a, a really pointless foul on the goalkeeper, elbowing him in the face. And then he just seemed destined to wanting to get sent off in that game because he made a really, really clumsy foul on, I think it was Fraser. It might have been... No, it was Josh King, wasn't it? Um, He tripped him up from behind, gave away a penalty. Maybe and it was he just, was just tired. This was in like the first 20 minutes. Like, yeah, you can still be tired. It was so early in the game. It was just really clumsy. And he it, just it didn't was... want to play and he was like, uh, fuck it. Oh, so frustrating. If I was a, a Watford fan, I mean, I'm not a Watford fan and I was annoyed with that because I think there's there's no excuse for that when you're a professional football player to just clip his heels and make such a deliberate foul that you know is going to give away a penalty. Uh, so he, he's going to be banned for the next game, obviously. Um, Pretty much all of Watford's defenders are unavailable for the next fixture. Yeah, Holobas got banned good. as well, didn't Holobas he? Holobas is banned, Cabasele is banned. Um, Cathcart is injured. That other boy who came in for the one who's injured is injured. Jan Matt is injured. Oh no, Cathcart is safe. So Holobas and Cabasele are suspended. Jan Matt and Navarro are injured. Yeah. So you've got like Cathcart, Kiko coming in for whoever the hell he's for coming Jan-Matt. in for. But, like, yeah. Kiko's actually trashed this season. I can't believe the state of him. But the the thing about Watford is they do still have that strong midfield and they have been underperforming. I mean, they play Wolves away next, which is not a good fixture. Um, but I'm going to keep... Uh, no, I think I've got Pereira first on the bench because I don't want to write him off completely, but I don't want to start him ahead of anyone else in my team. This is kind of my thing for these this little section is like i don't think anyone should be getting rid of these players yeah but but definitely don't buy them yeah and just keep an eye and roll with it and see what happens yeah i think that makes a lot of sense uh so elsewhere we got fulham and newcastle as well uh fulham actually have what looks like a really good run of of three fixtures yeah uh, so it's cardiff away bournemouth at home and then huddersfield away liverpool away after that so three away games out of four but if you got Mitrovic, obviously he's the he's the main one, isn't he? He's yeah. the one that we're we're going to talk about here. Yeah, I, I definitely still think like I think everyone's getting quite caught up in the fact that Fulham can't defend. I mean, yeah. they they do have one defender in Le Marchand, bless yeah. him, poor guy. Man. Literally, I can't believe that he is their only defender. Like he was the only one who went to defender school to learn to defend. All of the others were like, <laughs> oh, whatever. We'll just run around and hope for the best. And he's actually trying to do the... It's like when you're at work and like you're sitting there doing work while everyone else is in the kitchen. And you're like, why am I here? Why am I bothering? <laughs> That's what he must feel like right now. Him and Bettinelli together sitting at their desks trying to get the shit done. I whilst feel everyone so sad else for Bettinelli. goes and eats cake in the kitchen. That's what's going on. That's what this film side is right now. I said to you as well, it's like if games were only 45 minutes long, Fulham would be doing all right. Yeah, they would because they seem to be like usually drawing at half time and it's the second half where they where they lose it. Uh, so, I, I mean, we know that's a problem. I think that comes from their manager. I think his attitude in these games is to to play attacking football, but I don't think he has the personnel to do it quite so effectively. as uh, I mean, look at Wolves, for example, like they do a really good job because the system protects them defensively. 
Uh, Fulham, I think they're a little bit too gung-ho. But Mitrovic obviously is against Cardiff. I'm sure he'll get a chance. I'm sure he'll put it away if he, d- if he does get one. So I wouldn't worry too much about him. Newcastle, I mean, I don't know if anyone would... Do you think anyone has any any Newcastle players in their team no, at this point? But it's so frustrating because this run of fixtures is looks really good for them. Like Brighton at home, Southampton away, Watford at home, Bournemouth at home. Like, that's what you want in a run of fixtures, right? Three home games and against teams where you could feasibly like do some goals. Alas. Um, yeah, the only thing I, I feel about Newcastle is, yeah, this fixture turn could potentially be a good time to look at getting one of their defenders purely because our prices are good. Yeah, like, Dubravka uh, kills me because I want him so much, but five million is just too much. It's sad. He never should have been priced at five million. He never should have been. But I, I do like um, Yedlin as an option uh, purely because I think he, he offers some attacking threat. And if they do start keeping some clean sheets, which they certainly have the potential to... He's the one I'd go for, but he's again another one of those I'd put in those risky sort of punt punt that uh, yeah. they're gonna come good. I, I wouldn't go go for them as like a oh I'm gonna get loads of points here. It's yeah. it's more of a risk. The problem is though, like by the time they start looking good, like if two fixtures down the line they look good, then is it a bit too late? Because you've, uh, you've missed the the lads. Yeah. Yeah, maybe so. And I, you know, it may be one that I consider come the end of the week, I might think about looking at one of these, these Newcastle defenders. Um, but they do, from what, from what I can see, so they do actually have a quite nice run in general, all the way till about game week, game week 19 when they face Liverpool. Okay. Uh, so it's, so there is time. Yeah, it's they they face like West Ham and Everton and Wolves. That that's probably the trickiest run that they face from game week fourteen to sixteen. But elsewhere they have yeah Bournemouth, Burnley, uh, Huddersfield, Fulham. Like they're not so bad, and these are games that Newcastle, a well-drilled defensive side, could keep clean sheets in. I just think it's one of those where you can you can rotate, can't you? Because yeah. their prices are quite good. So it. it Actually, I'm maybe a little bit more positive on them. It's just that we haven't seen that physical evidence that they're good, they're good defensively. I do actually want to shout out uh, Muto, who I thought looked really good, though, in the game against United. Yeah, the game sure. that they really should have won because oh. they, sh- they should have been three or four goals up at halftime. And... I was talking to a boy on Tinder who's a Newcastle fan, and I was just yeah. like, oh my God, I can't believe that game even happened. <laughs> It was crazy. It was crazy how how bad United were and how good Newcastle were in the first half. And to be fair, Newcastle, even in that second half, could have had another goal. There is some light at the end of the tunnel for Newcastle. I think it's just it just wasn't to be on that day. Uh, so I think we're just gonna we're just gonna completely dismiss the following teams. Because... Yeah, I can just run through these real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Um. Okay. So yeah, we've got a do dismiss section. And here, teams with bad fixtures or just poor form or both. Yeah. Um, Crystal Palace fixtures get horrendous. But if you have one Basaka and you've had him since day one, you might as well keep him around because he's a cheap enabler. If you get shot now, I don't know how much money you'll lose. And then if you want him back in at any point, like just keep him. Have him around. What's the worst that could happen? Sit him on the bench. Oh. 
yeah, how, who are you going to get that's better value than Juan Bissaka? Like, if you don't already have the, the Wolves guys. Yeah, and, and it seems it seems a tedious transfer to make because it's not like it frees up money. Yeah. The only, the only scenario I'd say it's worth getting rid of him is if you need another starting defender and there's no one in your team you want to play, you know, like maybe Juan Bissaka to a guy like Bennett could be good, but yeah. Um, Cardiff and Huddersfield, absolutely nothing to say for these guys, and I'm sad about it. But yeah. don't bother, don't bother with them. Um, Spurs, Ali and Eriksson allegedly expected back for the next game week. Interesting. And I think without these guys and without them all up to full fitness, like Kane just isn't worth it, and Spurs aren't worth it. I don't like it. It's shaky. It's yeah. risky. It's horrible. It's not good. I don't like Kane at all. I I think I only maybe vaguely think he's an okay option if you have already brought him in. Like, I wouldn't be like, oh, you need to get rid of him now. Like, I, I'm not going to say that. But yeah, I think if you didn't bring him in for that Cardiff game, now is the time that Salah's fixtures improve. Even if you don't like Salah, I think there are better options than Kane if you're going to free up that money. Yep. Um, and then Man United, Burnley and Southampton. I don't really know what's going on with any of these teams. Like, are they good? Are they bad? Are they terrible? Who knows? Uh, not me. Yeah, uh, briefly, just uh, on Southampton, I watched the Chelsea-Southampton uh, game at the pub with a friend, and I I was so depressed during that game because it's so miserable watching Southampton. You know what? I was nothing. quite scared at points in the first half that they were going to score. They had one massive chance for Danny Ings that that he should have scored, but the problem with Southampton is that they just don't they don't create anything. Like they'll create one chance in a game, and it's just not enough. And because their finishing isn't clinical as well, like this is what I was saying about Mitrovic. Like they don't create a lot of chances, but you know when it's Mitrovic, if he gets a one on one, he'll probably score it. With Danny Ings, I just don't think he offers that, and I think they're just really hard to watch because they're not good. They're not good at anything. They're not particularly good at defending. They're not very good at attacking. So it's like, what is the point in your existence? And uh, I, sorry to anyone who is a Southampton fan. I mean, I don't know if there's any that, that listen to our podcast, but it is hard to, I think it's probably hard for them to watch their team at the moment. You know, like you don't know what you do well. Uh, and yeah, Man United and Burnley. Yeah. Uh, one, one thing I did just want to briefly touch on actually is, one more thing. I didn't mention it earlier. Uh, but on Arsenal, uh, Iwobi and Mkhitaryan started the last game. Iwobi at 5.5 is going to be an amazing option if he keeps his starting place because he's been probably the best, or not the best player, but the most improved Arsenal player by a distance this season. And he actually seems to fit Emery's system really well. So I'm keeping an eye on him. I don't know if he's going to retain his starting place. But we did we did have this conversation a few weeks ago where I was like, if he can get a starting place, he'll be a really good pick. And obviously he got one last week, which was a, a reward for his good performances in, in the Carabao Cup and Europa League. So I hope to see him continue that form and I, I think he'll pick up some assists and goals. And a 5.5 Arsenal attacking, uh, attacking player is always going to be good value. So yeah, there's that. All right, let's go on to... Uh, our little league who smashed it this week Natalie 
Paul Garside smashed it this week with 90 points. 90 points. He did take oh. a four-point hit, which obviously, if we're being pedantic, would take him to 86. Yeah. Still the highest scorer. Yeah. I, th- I think, yeah, it's 86 really, isn't it? But it doesn't matter because he's still, he's still on top. So well done, Paul. Congratulations. Well done to you, Paul. What a legend. Um, and also thank you to Shaunt. <laughs> Shaunt. We Hopefully think that's how, how we that say right. your name. But if we're not, please let us know. Um, for your lovely review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. It was very nice. Thank you very much. Much appreciated indeed. We did see your email and we were, yeah, amen. What a legend. So you can email us and we just won't reply because that's what we're <laughs> up to. Well, we'll reply on the podcast because that's, that's better, true. right? We can that's actually true. call you by name and we can say you're a great guy. All right, let's move on to a little, a little, <laughs> let's move on to a little Game Week 9 preview and uh, do our little clean sheet cup after that as well. I don't know how we did last week. Um, I didn't get a point. I think you did. Oh, wow. Surprise. That's epic if I did because I definitely can't remember what I said. Uh, okay, so early kickoff, Chelsea, Man United. Chelsea going to destroy them probably because I think Chelsea are just good right now. But no captains. Yeah, it's it's a hard one to justify the Hazard captain uh, purely because ain't nobody wanted to be over that early in the week, man. Imagine, imagine if he scores like one goal and like gets no bonus points or something and uh, you're just waiting this whole time for like Liverpool to play Huddersfield with Salah and... Aguero to play Burnley and it'd be it'd be nasty. So yeah, I think I think this is a Chelsea win. Do you would you agree or Yes, I would agree. Yeah. Easy win or, or, or hard fought? Easy. Okay, cool. We're in agreement. Uh so the three o'clock kickoffs, we've got Bournemouth Southampton, Cardiff versus Fulham, Man City versus Burnley, Newcastle versus Brighton, West Ham versus Spurs, and Wolves versus Watford. Oh my god, that's a lot of games to be at three o'clock. There are. That's that's a proper three o'clock that. I'm hoping this isn't gonna be one of those where they're all nil nil to like the fifty-seventh minute. <laughs> um Yeah, so Bournemouth Southampton. I mean we spoke earlier about the Jekyll and Hyde uh Bournemouth sort of vibe. This seems like the kind of game I mean, this is a South Coast derby actually, isn't it? Like it is. Two two boys from the seaside. Um I reckon though, Bournemouth are gonna to be too good for them. But this is kind of the game that I could see Southampton getting a goal in because I think, you know, Bournemouth are a little bit leaky at the back. Uh, they will allow you some chances, but probably like a 2-1, sort of 3-1 to Bournemouth. Um, Cardiff-Fulham, how, how do you feel about these? Surely it's time for Mitrovic to shine again, right? Oh, this is Josh Murphy versus Mitrovic. It's going to be a showdown. going to be electric. It is going to be so... There are going to be so many goals in this game. You reckon? You're not going to... But uh, I reckon it's probably going to be a 1-1. <laughs> no, so I, many goals. Well, the Two. thing is... Well, if you think about it, it's the worst... Um, it's the team with the most goals conceded. Yeah, Fulham the worst defence. Versus a team at home who kind of needs a win. Yeah. Uh, at some point... Um, so I don't know. I like one would hope it would be quite a nice time, wouldn't you? As like, do you a, think there's any chance? Care. Do you think there's any chance of a shock result here, a Cardiff win? Yeah. Because I think there is. I don't think it'll be shocking. 
I think anyone will be shocked. Cardiff winning a game would be a shock to most no, people. No, I don't I think. think Cardiff winning a game at home against the team who have conceded the most goals so far this season is shocking. I think that's logical. It is, but I don't think people look at football like that. People think Fulham are I good do. and Cardiff are bad. Um, okay, well, I don't think that. You're too, you're too logical to be a <laughs> to be a football fan now. Mm. This is crazy. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, but this could go either way, I guess. But yeah, I I actually don't really care. But I'd probably put my money on on Fulham if I was gonna, you know, bet. Which I probably will. I probably will do an accumulator. And this is going to be the one that screws me over when Cardiff win. Um, Man City versus Burnley. Uh, probably a comfortable like 2-0 win, isn't it? Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think it'll be mad, but a 2-0 I think is... is uh, it's, one of those where, it's one of those where Joe Hart will make loads of saves and then he'll spill the ball and give it to like Gabriel Jesus who's just come off the bench to, <laughs> to score the first goal. Yeah. And then like... Someone innocuous like Fernandinho will score like a goal from the halfway line. <laughs> yeah, that is that's literally what this game is going to be. This is yeah. This is going to be one of those where everyone will get hyped and they'll be like Captain Aguero, and then Aguero will come off in fifty-seven minutes. Uh, but yeah, I think City will win, but it won't be they won't blow them out of the water. Uh, Newcastle Brighton, which is going to be I think one of the the more interesting ties to look at because a struggling Newcastle at home. Really looking for their first uh, their first win of the season, and they came so cl- close last week. And Brighton obviously have that horrible away from home record. It's a tough one to call. I mean, I uh, I will be looking at this later in the week and thinking maybe I could get Yedlin in for this week. Maybe it's a move that I can make. Um, but I do kind of part of me fancies Brighton to get their first win away from home here. How do you feel about this? I don't know. Couldn't call it. Um... I'd put all of your lads in, like if you've got a player from either team, put them in. Yeah, yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd be very tempted for Brighton here, but you never know. I'll probably, when it comes down to it, I'll probably back Newcastle. Um, West Ham versus Spurs. This actually also very intriguing tie. I reckon um, this is a West Ham win. Sure. Uh, me, me too. Me too. I fancy them. I don't think Spurs have played well recently. I do have a little bit of bias because I don't like Spurs, but I'm unconvinced by Harry Kane still. I, I don't think he's performing well. I don't like his role in Spurs. I think that him playing this sort of this deeper creative role to accommodate Son and Lucas is causing problems because he's their their top man, like their, their goal scorer. So I'd be a little bit worried about Spurs here. And I think this is a perfect game for West Ham to bounce back from losing. And Arnautovic could definitely come away with a, a goal or two here. So yeah, I'd back West Ham all the way. Uh, and then Wolves versus Watford is the other three o'clock. Another interesting one because you'd think it's kind of evenly matched, but Watford have been in this this torrid run of form. So as, as I said earlier, I've got Pereira on the bench. Probably a... a Wolves win a comfortable sort of like one nil. Oh yeah, I'm looking for a Patricio goal here. A Patricio goal. Mm. <laughs> a Roy. A yeah, Roy if Roy could just go up there and just yeah. uh, stick the ball in the net. That'd be great. Yeah, I actually I reckon this has got to be one of those. Uh, it feels like we've built up. You know, if you think about FPL logic, where Wolves have become such a, a template pick now like everyone's gone for Doherty he's the most transferred in player this over this uh week 
it feels like this is a perfect time for him to get sent off and Watford to win 4-0. So, I mean, maybe. But you never, you don't know. Um, Huddersfield play Liverpool. That's a 5.30 kickoff. That is brilliant. I love a 5.30 kickoff and I love it when it's got a player that I have in my team in. Uh, so, yeah, I'm thinking probable Salah captaincy here. It seems like a good a good time to, to go for that. Uh Liverpool surely gonna gonna win by a few goals. I think the question is, like we spoke about earlier, is this gonna be the time that they click into form and all of a sudden it's like, oh Liverpool are good again. That's the only question for me. Uh, do you think this is their time? Do you think they're gonna do it? I'm gonna captain Salah. Okay, so this is this is a thumbs up from us. Uh Sunday we only have one game, which is a shame because Bars. Why do you, <laughs> why do you have to have the Everton Palace game on a Sunday and the Arsenal game on a Monday? Why not just have the Arsenal game on the Sunday? Ah, oh, you know I, whatever. But Everton play Crystal Palace at four o'clock. Uh, this is going to be a disappointing one because I'm going to have no players involved in it. Match of the day two is going to be so dull. Yeah, unless I decide to play Wan-Bissaka just to have some hype. But no, this is going to be awful. Definitely don't do that. Yeah, it'd be mental. Um, I, I fancy Everton. Although I've said I don't really like Everton, Palace can't score at the moment. I I think Zaha, for as good as a player as he is, like you can't just rely on him to do everything. It just doesn't doesn't work. So I think Everton will probably win. They'll probably manage to keep a clean sheet somehow. And yeah, Richarlison is, is going to be a good pick. Sigurdsson's going to be a good pick. Maybe even my man Bernard's. I quite like it if my man Bernard came away with like loads of points this week because I'd at least feel vindicated about these words I said. But I don't know. Okay, and on Monday night we have Arsenal versus Leicester, which is going to be a really good game, I hope. Yeah, I'm going to have to bench Madison. Really? Why? I don't, because I can't fit him in. Who would? Who is closest to being on the brink of like, like who's keeping him out? Ings and Fra- Ings, Fraser and Knockart. Ings, Fraser and Knockart. Surely what? Oh, no. Uh, maybe Ings. Maybe Ings, but I, I but don't know. But if Ings is going to score, against Bournemouth is the, is the one way he's... Yeah, I, I think I would... I'd look at your... Like, looking at those three players, I think that is the same... That is the same one I'd pick, the same lineup I'd pick. Because although I think Leicester will score against Arsenal, I don't think Madison's chances individually are, are necessarily great. Uh, it's, it tends to be someone like Vardy that, that will get on the score sheet. And, you know, obviously he could be assisted by Madison, but, yeah, I wouldn't feel massively confident compared to those players that you just mentioned. Mm. Maybe Ings. Maybe Ings is the one i consider dropping. But we'll see. We'll see when we get to it. Um... I obviously am biased, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say an Arsenal win. We always seem to beat Leicester, um, even in in the high scoring games. I hope it's a, a banger. I hope it's like a five four or something because that'd just be really exciting. And yeah, I'm between Mo Salah and Aubameyang captain. Even though I'm very aware that Aubameyang could be on the bench for this, I think it might be one of my last weeks of going for a renegade captain, and I'll go for Aubameyang just because it's a mental differential and it'd be really good fun. And I get to wait till Monday to, to see what goes off. So 
Yeah, for me, it's a it's an Arsenal win and a high scoring game. Yourself. Cool. Um, clean sheet cup. First of all, what happened last week? What did I say? And what did you I win? You said Chelsea versus Southampton. Oh right. So I w- that whole time I was getting frustrated at them being terrible for missing chances and not creating anything. It actually helped me out because I got a point on the clean sheet cup. Yeah. I kind of feel I have to issue an apology now. Um, okay, so I got a point. That's great. That means. Do you want some stats? Yeah, go on. Um, you have in the last five weeks, you've always picked the away side in the oh. match you've gone for. Really? Yeah. This is first, some cool Opta shit here. This... For the first three, you picked the home side, and it was Liverpool, Man City, Man City. Yeah. And then after that, you were like, screw it, and it was always the away side. That's pretty and cool. And you've got three out of five points doing that. Wow. I This is the kind of thing where I'm going to get too obsessed with stats now, and I'm going to try and live up to my reputation. Uh, but I believe this means... Am I in the lead overall? Yeah, or... you've been in the lead since the last time you got points. What is the, the score, though? You're four, and I'm two. Four, two. All right, so go go ahead. Pick your team. Who do you fancy? I think I'm going to have to have Liverpool. Liverpool, who are away to Huddersfield. You're going for an old Danny T there, picking the away team. Yeah. I like it. Um, I've only picked one away team so far this season. And yeah. I still didn't get points then. Uh, but the last time I picked Liverpool, I did. So I guess there's two conf- do. Uh, yeah, there's two conflicting stats there. One of them has to win out, doesn't it? Yeah. Um. Okay. The options here are pretty tough to choose from. Um. I think... Why don't you go for a nil-nil? I could do actually. I've built up a little lead. The problem is I don't see any games here that I fancy being a nil-nil. Um. The one I'd say is most likely to be a nil-nil is actually the Cardiff-Fulham game. Not, I'd go for the Newcastle-Brighton to be a nil-nil. I just fancy both of them. Uh, both of them want the points too much, I think. Like, Newcastle need it, and Brighton, uh, they need to, like, quell this away demon at some point, don't <laughs> they? Um yeah, so, uh, okay, so I'm going to talk to you through it. Logically, I would go for Wolves because yeah. I think they are the best defence outside of the, the Liverpool one that you've picked. Um, or I could do Man City, actually. That's probably the, the most logical one. But, I yeah, I feel like the Wolves one is going gonna, is gonna to throw up some surprises just because of FPL law, uh, a.k.a. Sod's law. The Man City one, I don't fancy for some reason because I think someone will pop up and get a goal. I'm going to go for the Cardiff-Fulham nil-nil. First time this season. Yay. Let's get exciting. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's about it for this week now. What is it? This game week nine coming up next? Yeah. All right. Um, We'll have to record next Sunday because I guess you won't want to miss the Arsenal game on the Monday. I won't want to miss the Arsenal game and it's a little bit disappointing that we won't be able to, to comment on it but you know needs must uh, so yeah we'll be back probably next uh, next Monday yeah and I'll be able will be to out. so we'll be back Monday night yeah uh, you... good luck to everyone for game week 9 uh, hope you do really well uh, you could don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the Danalysis 
Also, rate and review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whichever you prefer to call it. Uh, five star is pre- preferred. Five star is preferred. Uh, and anything else is just wrong. Like, why would you do that? Why do you have to be so evil? You can email us also at hello at thedenalysis.com. And also, also, you can join our league. People are still joining, which is nice. Um, we are doing so trash, which is nice. Um, do that. There's a code somewhere. There'll be a code in the description of this podcast. Um, and on Twitter. And also is the code on Twitter. I am going to unpin that tweet, though, but it's okay because it's in our bio. Awesome. Okay, uh, that's cool then. We'll see y'all next week. And yeah, best of luck to everyone. Bye, y'all. Bye.